Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Good morning, everybody. And uh, certainly, certainly one of the best times, not the, the best time of year where people get together and it's a... Uh, there's a lot of events and family gatherings, and aren't you thankful to have somebody you can gather with, and someone near you that loves you and cares about you? Before we get into the Word today, I want us to lift our hands and open our hearts, and, and uh, I want us to let the Lord speak to us. Would you do that? Why don't you open your heart to the Lord and say, God, I, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. We need you, God, today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we love you today, God. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. Somebody say amen. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, um, if you would grab your Bibles and turn there, and uh, this is probably the most detailed writing, um, the detailed writing about the birth of Christ and the childhood of Christ. Jesus, Jesus appears on the scene at birth with wise men from afar, uh, shepherds in the field, born, lied in a manger, a livery stable, if you will, and uh, then disappears from the scripture for 12 years, shows back up at 12 years old, and uh, when he's there at 12, we find that he is lost. They make their pilgrimage back uh, to the city and on their way back from Jerusalem, going back home, three days' journey they went and they look around and Mary says to Joseph and Joseph says to Mary back and forth, where, where's Jesus? Well, I thought you knew where he was. And they would travel in families and they, they look around and they can't find him and panic and She's, she even mentions when she finds Jesus in the temple, I was of a sorrowful heart because I could not find you. Why have you done this to me? And the setting of that is when they get to the temple. And any of you ever lost your children? You don't have to raise your hand, but rhetorical question. But I have. I lost Sawyer one time in Cabela's. And I was afraid to tell Cindy because I was afraid she wouldn't let me take him anywhere else anymore. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, no, I did. He, he was hiding in, he went and hid from me. He wanted to play hide-and-go-seek when he was two and a half and, uh, in a large store. As a matter of fact, they had to put off the, the amber alert in the store. And you've never seen your pastor run as fast as I did that day around the store trying to catch whoever was taking my son out. And uh, I was in fighting mode and panic mode. Come find out, he would just step into the clothes and was peeking out, you know. And... Uh, Oh, Lord, help my, my nerves at that day. But that's what they would have been feeling. They, it wasn't an hour, it wasn't 30 minutes. It was a three days journey. Could you imagine where's Jesus? Where, where's this whole, you know, Scripture references Jesus a lot as the holy child Jesus. Where's he at? And so when they get back, they, they step into the temple and, and verse 44 says, but they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk, kins, kinsfolk and, and acquaintance and 
when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it, it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. My goodness, can you imagine? Three days, found him in the temple sitting in the midst of, of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? I'd like today to talk to you about children's ministry. And uh, in the United Pentecostal Church, what was known as the Sunday School Division is now known as children's ministry. Um, and one of their funding that they do is called Save Our Children, which our, our church has been involved in for many years. I want everybody to say, Save Our Children. Would you lay your Bibles down and lift your hands and ask the Lord to speak to you today? God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for, for who you are. We magnify you, God, on, on your goodness and your patience toward us. We pray that, Lord, that you would, you would do a work in our lives and our hearts, oh God, today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We magnify you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit, for loving us the way you do, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody says amen. Would you clap your hands and make a joyful noise to the Lord? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I'm thankful for the retention rate that we have in this church with our children, that, that when the children come into our youth they are already involved at some level of ministry, and when they when they are going in into the workforce, they they at 18 and 19 and 20, they stay in church, and I'm thankful for that, and we're thankful. Statistically, a lot of the children that were forced to go to church when they turned 18 got their own freedoms. They they left and went on went on their own. Um, I have learned that that children want to be noticed. How many know that? And a lot of times in a school, the child that is showing the most, uh, even negative attention, just to get attention. And I look back after I learned children's ministry and ministry of working with young people, I reflected after I became a youth leader, youth pastor, pastor. Over the years of kids I went to school with that acted up, I realized in a lot of that case is because was the lack of attention at home. And so they were getting attention somewhere, even it was uh, uh, negative. Uh, I, when I was six years old, I remember, I remember that they called me question mark. That was my nickname because I would ask questions about absolutely everything. And I was confident to do it. I just thought people wanted me to ask. And uh, I remember at moments there were negative responses because I realized all of my questions was getting on their nerves. And... Um, that wasn't just with my parents, but family and around. And uh, my parents didn't make me feel that way. But sometimes my mom was saying, my land, that's, you got a lot of questions today. I did. I was interested. And, uh, 
Uh, I read a statistic that says a four-year-old asks about 400, this is, this is not funny, it's a fact, but it is funny. A four-year-old asks 437 questions a day. 437 questions a day. And I, I was telling Pastor Cody that this morning. He said, I believe that. He said, that's right where I'm living right now. <laughs> and uh, so you're talking about the patience of a parent is to try. Can you, can you answer some of those 437 questions a day? Any parents uh, been there know what that's like? And, and that's not easy. I, I'd like to have a dollar for every time I heard my kids say, Mom. Mom, 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 mom. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's kids, and one 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 study talks about that that if you put a child in front of a screen alone, it's going to be a negative negative in their life. That if the child, they're not going to learn much from the screen. Even in even one report said children in their younger years, at their younger age, up to about six or eight, that they can't distinguish the difference between fiction and nonfiction. They just believe. They don't really discern the difference, and I don't believe this 100%, but one, one, one study talked about they don't know the difference between good and bad, just everything's good. I mean, no, to the pure, all things are pure. And a kid, when they're, they're, they're little, they just think it's the way it is. I remember years ago when I, I, I looked at my... Um, I looked at my sister-in-law and I said, man, she went and turned the lights off and put Sasha to sleep, my, my first niece. And I said, isn't she afraid to sleep in the dark? She said, why would she be? She's never have a reason to think there's something wrong with the dark. Until there's something that shows them that there's a boogeyman under the, under the bed because of some show or some story or some bed. I'm just telling you right now, uh, the songs we sing to our children are horrific. Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about the, 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 the plague. Posies were flowers you put on the graves. And kids are dancing in the street in circles. Ring around the posies, pocket full of uh, ring around the rosy pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes, we all die. Well, if that's not good enough, uh, uh, we, sing, we sing the song about uh, in, in the tree, you know, and when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Down will come baby cradle. Then I'll oh, just look at that little baby. I love that little baby. You're so happy. You're going to fall on the top of a tree. You're crazy. And uh, why do we do what we do? You grow up. You hear that song. You don't even know the meaning to ashes. Yeah. London Bridge is falling down. I'm telling you. I mean, we're just teaching these children chaos from the beginning. The fact of the matter is, is they don't know. They go up later and they think, what was wrong with you? Why did you sing me songs about cradles rocking in treetops? Bridges falling, becoming ashes and dying. And uh, I don't know why we do what we do, but sometimes we just do things because that's what everybody else did. And uh, families repeat things. Can I say there's nothing more life-giving to a child 
than to know the name of Jesus. See, you, 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 didn't, you didn't come from the lobster's lips. That's what they taught me in school. They found the missing link to evolution. It was from the uh, microscopic, uh, uh, asexual, microscopic thing that came from the lips of a lobster. I was a kid knew that wasn't right. I laughed in class. They didn't find it. Later they come up and said, oh, we're sorry, we made a mistake. It was, no, it was not the missing link. They're still trying to miss it, find the missing link. They're never going to find it because our origin is God. We were made in his image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. I'm telling you, God was our origin. God was our origin. We didn't, we didn't come from a monkey. We came from the Lord. God designed us the way we are. Go back 6,000 years. The way he designed us then is exactly the way we are now. There might be complex and things different about our skin color, different. but guess what? We are made in the image of God. Do you believe that? Clap your hands and thank God for that. We were made with purpose. We were made with destiny. We were made to be confident. We were made to be like Him. How many want to be like the Lord? Somebody shout hallelujah. And so what we are living, the Bible says that a child left alone will bring shame to his mother, meaning that he's going to go down the wrong path and do the wrong thing and live the long, wrong life. The scripture does tell us, though, to train up a child in the way he should go and that when he's old, it will, he will not depart from it. What is it saying? It is saying that you've got to train them. This is what we do. This is how we live. I haven't come to teach you about training your children today because I've already taught that. We did a whole family series. What I've come to talk to you about is all of the children in our community that have no one training them. The people in our community that have nobody loving them. In our culture right now, there are 19 million, 19 million children that are in fatherless homes. 19 million that do not have a dad in their life. The sexual revolution that happened in the 1960s has created three generations later that, that, that children are raised up with, 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 at a responsible parent being there for them and has created chaos. People are just, they're just wondering children, whatever tastes good, whatever makes me happy, whatever makes me feel good for the moment. And what I am dealing with in 2023 is people that make decisions based on their emotions instead of basing decisions on what is right. Because you can feel not wanting to do something, but it is the right thing. I, the, the things I see with people that are inconsistent is they are doing things out of emotion. They're doing things how they feel. Can I tell you today, one of the greatest doctrines of all of Jesus Christ that he taught was self-denial. It's saying no to your flesh. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And we've got kids going in and out of school buses, going in and out of classrooms, coming in and out of houses where the direction that they need is not being received. But I'm going to tell you, there is a direction like I preached last week. There is a direction and Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. There was wise men that came with negative intent being sent by Herod. The purpose of Herod was to remove Jesus because he's a threat as a king even though he was just a little baby. How I many know oh, he sent the wise men? 
Jesus has just been has just been born. He's just a child, but he is a threat to the modern leadership of that day. He's just a child. He's just a child. Everybody say he's just a child. He's just a child, but the enemy knows that if he grows up to become the king, he's going to step into my stead. Can I say that children matter? It doesn't matter if they're this big, this big, or this taller than me. It doesn't matter. A child is this. When a woman was pregnant in the scripture, it didn't say she was pregnant. The Bible says that she was with child. When the baby is born, she has a child. Because a child in the womb and a child outside the womb have the same value. That's why Samson's mother was told, He's not the taking, you're not the taking the vine while he's in your womb. Because he's gonna be a Nazarite leader for me. He's not the taking the vine, so when he's in the womb, you're not the taking the vine. Because what you partake as a mother that is with child is gonna get into the child. My wife believes the reason my children like spicy food is because she would eat spicy food while she was pregnant with child. She would eat spicy food. All of my kids like spicy food. You know why? Because what she would eat would get into the children. I know we live in a generation that says a child in the womb is not valued. It's just a piece of tissue, but not according to the word. The word says they were with child. Matter of fact, Elizabeth's son, John, received the Holy Ghost in the womb and leaped at the salutation of the great news of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, we need a city that is filled with the great news of Jesus Christ. There's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. Hallelujah. Church shouldn't be sad. Your relationship with God shouldn't be sour. People that meet you on the streets ought to want to go where you go, want to live the life that you live. Your holiness, your righteousness is not a negative, negative to them because you're different. You've got something they're looking for. Amen. And he hung a star in the heavens that they could follow and find him there. When the wise men found him, they'd been on their knees and they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They honored him. They came from afar. One study says that they came 400 miles to find him. Could I say to you, it doesn't matter how far you are away from him, he will give you the light to find him. And once you've found him, you don't need to find anything else. He's the answer. He's the joy. He's the peace. He's every single thing that you need. I want everybody to say, the holy child Jesus I tried to cheat, treat my children even when they were small. What if this was Jesus that's in my home? That child that was born, I tried to love them and guard them as if this was Jesus. Amen. Why not? Why not? Are we not the body of Christ? Aren't we to love each other as we would love ourselves? Aren't we to treat, treat each other? The Bible says to fulfill the law of Christ is to bear you, bear you one another's burdens. And how do you know that they are my disciples? Because they love one another. I try to treat my children as if they're children of God. That's what I'm saying. And, uh, uh, and, and 
And can I say it's easy to do that with our own sometimes, not all the time. Because we don't see the holy child. We see fleshly children that act like us when we were their age. I mean, that's true. But what a, my, 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 my message is today, um, there's a story of a woman, a story my dad told many years ago about a house fire. And a uh, lady had several children, house, but she was trapped inside. And true story that, that, that she was taking her children and she was throwing them out of the window because the fire was pressing into the home that apartment and and there was a crowd watching from without and she would launch the children out of the window hoping somebody would catch her kids and she was she would scream who's going to catch my children and throw one out and then throw another I remember my dad preaching a, a powerful message talking about living your life through your kids sometimes Sometimes people, instead of training their children up to be like the Lord, they try to relive their life through their own kids. What they would have had or wish they'd had or wish they'd have done or wish they participated in or what they weren't allowed to participate in, they, they try to do it and sometimes send them the wrong direction. And my, my dad was talking about you, 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 you put yourself in the kid and try to get them to do what you wish you'd have done or wish you'd had. And he said, it's not the right way. What does God want them to do? What does God want them to do? And he preached a message about who's going to catch my children. Where, where are your children going to end up? Can I say the world's arms are wide open? When they're in parade singing, we're coming after your kids. To change them from God's identity that he designed them to be. And what the world and the spirit of the Antichrist wants them to be. Can I say to you, there is a war right now for our children. Do y'all believe that? There is a war right now for our kids. And uh, there are kids that are, are there, there's never been, can I say, there's never been a greater opportunity than to fill this church up with children that are from homes that are non-members and say, we're going to show you the way. We're going, to, we're going to love you. Jesus said it this way in the book, book of Luke. He said, he, said, he, he talked about, in, in the book of Luke, he talked about practical Christianity. Sometimes we pray, we're spiritual, but we're not practical. We think that there has to be a move of the Spirit for us to pray. There's got to be a pastor call a fast for us to fast, that, that before we do anything... Uh, we go to church and that's good enough or we pay our tithes, that's good enough. But the mission of the church, he, he said in Christianity, Jesus taught us, he taught us six points. Everybody say six. Six points that he said. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. How many know that? He said, I was in jail and you came to see me. I was sick and you visited me. But one that he said, he said, I was a stranger, and you took me in. It was the law in the Old Testament. It was the law in the Old Testament that if somebody that was a non-Jew wanted to join the Jews and march with them, it was called the law of the stranger. He said, because remember, you were strangers in Egypt, and you were Jews there. 
So now that you've left Egypt on the way to the promised land, if a stranger wants to join you, you treat them like the homeborn. You know what that means? You love them and treat them as if they've been raised in the church. That's right. And they become a part of you. In our modern terms, what we call that is outreach. What are we doing? We want people that are not Christians to become Christians. Can I ask you a question today? Do you desire to see somebody convert into Christianity? Does it bother you when somebody would backslide and the Bible talks about a falling away and they go into the world? Or do you get excited when somebody comes to the altar and repents, gets baptized, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're at church faithfully, they have their hands raised, and they want to make a difference in their world, and they're no longer, they're no longer in drugs, they're no longer addicted, they're no longer going the, the direction they were, they're no longer living a life of sin, but living a life of right. Does that excite you? Do you know, you know they call it the 414 window? Everybody say the 414 window. That means from the child, the time they're 4 to 14 is the greatest opportunity to see a child converted into the Christianity. Beyond 14, it becomes less than. The, the, the older they get is a smaller percentage the older they get. But the, between the age of 4 and 14 is one of the greatest opportunities to lead somebody to Jesus Christ in their entire lifetime. That's right. So I would say to you and challenge you today, many of you have a back seat in your car that could bring a niece, a nephew, a grandkid, a neighbor, somebody that's in your community to say, won't you go to church with me? Why? So we, so why? So we can lead them to Jesus Christ. He looked at 12 men and he he, he called them and he told them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Pastor, why are you teaching this? Because you need to understand that the enemy is doing everything he can to steal the hearts of the children. That's right. Before the great deliverance in Egypt, there came an attack on the babies. How many know that? And they came in there and they were destroying all of them. I feel this right now. Trying to destroy the children. When Jesus showed up, they was trying to kill all the babies. Can I say today there's an attack against our, our children? I'm going to tell you where we need a strong push in this church and in this community is to reach the children of Zanesville, Ohio with every single thing that we have. Amen. How many going to help me? How many going to prayerfully help pastor? and our children's ministry department to reach our children. That's it. Let's stand. Let's, let's stand. And what I feel in my spirit, there's a surge of revival. Hallelujah. I prophesied it a few months ago that there was going to be a great revival among our children. That's right. A great revival among our children. Before we move forward, we have responded. We're inspired but I want you to lift your hands and say, God, give our church wisdom. Give us a burden and a passion to bring children to the house of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. God, we're praying that you would move, you would speak, you would heal, you would touch. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. I want you to talk to the Lord for a moment. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked way. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody says, Amen. Be seated a moment. I, uh, I asked the Lord one time, and I realize I'm redundant when I preach, but I asked, I asked the Lord one time, I said, God, why is it that children walk away from the church sometimes when they're older? Why, why, do, why do they leave? And, and I called some great leaders, some of the top leaders of youth in our movement, asked them, they gave me some great insight. And uh, um, after they gave me answers, I went to prayer and I asked the Lord, I said, why do children walk away from the church? And the way God speaks to me and God shows me, he showed me the text that I read you of Jesus. He showed me him at 12 years old in the temple. And Jesus is in the middle of the doctrine. And he's asking them questions. And they're giving him answers. And it appears to me they must have asked him some questions because they were astonished at his answers. You know what it was? It was very simple. He was interested in what was going on in the temple. And they were interested in him. It cannot be in the church. The kids are going to my church. This is not your church. This is a multi-generational church. It's not a rebuke. You all believe what I'm teaching. I know I'm preaching to a great congregation that believes this. It's not you're coming to my church. It's our church. That belongs to the church of Jesus Christ. And when an older person is having a conversation with a younger person, and they're asking, how did you, Elder Brown, how did you live for God all these years? And he's sitting talking to a young person. And then he's asking the young person about how, how they're doing in this day and time living for God or living life. The point I'm making is a young person's not going to go to a church that nobody's interested in having any conversation with them. Truth of the matter is, you're not going to go anywhere where people aren't willing to talk to you either. But what made it so powerful to have a church in the end time that is going to allow children to flourish is the adults, the doctors, if you will, the educated in the word of the Lord. That wasn't talking about physical doctors. It was talking about doctors of law, doctors of the word, doctors of the Old Testament. And that, that he was interested in the word and they were interested in having conversations with him. When we're so busy at the church, we don't have time to communicate with the next generation, we're missing it. That's right. When we can stop and talk and have conversations, somebody that comes on our, we don't have bus kids. We have children that come on church buses. Because there's no difference in a kid on the bus and a kid raised in the church by a parent that's been here all their life. There's no difference. There, there, there's, no, there's no difference. And what we realize is to save a child is to save an entire future of their life. 
when they come to the Lord, look at the difference that made in Michael Umstadt, just a young teenager that came here who's now a Marine. And praise God, supporting our country and working a consistent job. We could talk about the, the ones that have come on church vans over the years that are as much a part of God, a much a part of the kingdom of God as any of us that were ever raised in this. Praise the name of the Lord. When I took Jillian, took my wife in the neonatal unit and uh, from, from, from Good Sam to the Ohio State Hospital, you're welcome. Ohio State University Hospital, when we got there, sixth floor, and they said, hey, the baby is trying to come early, and uh, she was 29 weeks pregnant, and the baby's going to be a preemie. They didn't say, oh, that's just a, I'm sorry, that, that baby's only going to be about that big. No, no, no worry, we'll try again later. Oh, no. I'm telling you what, everybody got involved. Everybody got involved. Everybody was passionate about saving the child in the womb. She's early, but she's a child. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I know there's a lot of negative reports out there about things, but there are people that believe that that child is important. They gave 10 years of their life getting an education to save the child in the womb, to save you in a surgery. <laughs> they put everything they have into it. And I'll never forget the passion, the care. Listen, the, 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 the hospitality, the communication of the Ohio State University couldn't have been any better. It was remarkable, the love and the care. You know, I'm telling you the truth. From the nurses that cared for my wife, from the doctor and staff that cared for her at that moment, the baby was, was, was dying in the womb, was under distress, and they did everything they could. And I'll never forget when she was born that there was a team of people waiting on the baby that would care for the baby. There was a team that was taking care of my wife at the same time. And there was so much effort that went into the care of the child and she's a miracle you know the story the angel that got involved and then touched my little girl and healed my little girl because children are important to the Lord children are important to God amen red or yellow black or white they're all precious in his sight it doesn't matter Come on, there's no skin color in the kingdom of God. There's no language barrier in the kingdom of God. They're all children in his eyes. They're all kingdom. They're children in his eyes. It's only fair if the world is offering them cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and other things that we offer them Jesus. It's only fair that we get involved in the community and knock the door and say, hey, I just want you to know we've got a great children's ministry program, children's ministry program at the Anchor. We would love to pick your kids up and teach them about the Word of God. We would love for them to come. It's going to cause early Sundays and late Sundays because somebody's got to pick them up. Somebody's got to take them home. You might not get to have the dinner you always have, but you should have a little later dinner. But the investment that you make in a child could change not only that kid's life, but change a city's life somewhere where God calls them to be the pastor, a country where God calls them to be the missionary. Somebody say amen. Here's what I know. I know that you care. I know that you care for these children. 
Here's where we miss it sometimes. We think somebody else is going to do it. And we're excited about it. Man, we're so glad our church reaches. Do you reach? I, I, know, I know our children's ministry has got a great program. What am I doing for the children of our community? Pastor, I'm not a children's ministry director. I could be a bus driver, though. I, I couldn't teach because I'm not a good teacher. And, and my, my patience of 437 questions a day is not my gift. But it was Sister Annie's gift. She could work and process all the way through that. Sister Amy in the building, our tremendous teachers that we have here. But I say, are we just going to stand back and do nothing? Let the world have its way. Let the devil have his way because he's making a havoc of our children in our community. When 12-year-olds don't want to live, come on. And they've had opportunities and They've been given the world. They've got all this access to all these people and all this stuff. They've got more knowledge at 12 they can access with unlimited data from around the world. And guess what? They don't want to live. It's an epidemic right now of children at 12, 13, and 14 who do not want to live. You know why? Haven't met Jesus. They met the world. They have access to all the knowledge of all the junk. And it's not too hopeful for them. But do you realize if you save a child, you could save a life? Save a child, you could, you could turn an entire family dynamic around. Come on, because children matter to God. He said, Jesus stopped in the middle of this. He said, suffer not the little children to come to me. You know what he's saying? Don't stop the children from getting around me. That's what he was saying. Don't stop the children from coming to me. Could I say to you, we need to remove every barrier that's stopping children from coming to Jesus Christ. We need to get involved with children in our community and bring them to the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet, clap our hands today and honor the Lord. Would you do that? Would you clap your hands and honor God? Oh, we want our children... We want our children to know him. Pastor, what do you envision? I, I envision I envision 150, 200 children getting off of school buses coming to the church every single Sunday. Getting off of school buses because church vans are too small. I envision a team of people going out on Saturdays and knocking doors and says, hey, we want you to come to the anchor. We want parks going to the park, going to homes and introducing people to Jesus and praying for them. Children come and they'll pray in our altar and say, what do you want God to do for you? They say, I want you, I want you to pray God will keep the bad people out of my house. Cause the world, it's not everybody in the world, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody, somebody's got to be interested in the children. So we had a prophet with us who I believe is a prophet of the Lord. He came and Brother Mark's he said, do you know why all these people come back to God? He made this statement. He made this statement. It's a principle. But he said, the reason they're solving cold case murders, a lot of them have been solved now. He said, study says it's not because of the technological advances of forensic science, DNA testing. He said, the number one reason that cold cases are being solved, he said, is because... Somebody got interested in them. And he said, the Lord revealed to me that people are going to come back to God who were backslid 
And in one week, we saw 10 people come back to the Lord. Because somebody got interested in the people that were cold case Christians. No longer living for God. I just got a word for this church. If we will steer our focus to reach the children in this community, you're going to see an entire church filled with children from this community. Somebody's got to get interested in them. Somebody's got to get interested in them. Hallelujah. We'll create the flyers. We'll, we'll, we'll spend the finances to, to, to create invitation cards. And, and uh, uh, Brother Adam, Nelson, I want you to help us get creative with uh, uh, some type of you in Denver, something that we can invite children to, to our churches. But you know what I envision? It's not pastor and sister bound. It's not the children's teachers that, that are spending every Sunday and Saturday preparing for a Sunday class. I believe it's you and your street. You and your neighborhood. You know what I'd love to hear? Is somebody get rid of their sedan and buy a minivan because they got more kids wanting to come to church than they have room for in their car. Come on. Because church isn't just about worship. It's not just about fellowship. It's about mission. And everybody has got to get involved, not with just worship, not with just fellowship, but you've got to get involved with the mission. And the mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's quiet, but you're listening. And I believe there's an army that's going to say, we're not going to let the devil have his way in our neighborhood. We're going to start a prayer meeting. We're going to, we're going to go to the streets. We're, we're going to invite some people to come to church with us. I'm bringing somebody to Jesus. I'm bringing somebody to the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. It was a, it was a nearly knock on the door. Two young girls walked out of the house, got on a church van every single Sunday. There was such dysfunction in the home that the pastor, even for a period of time, let those two young girls come and live with his family. He invested time. The church invested attention, questions. How are you doing? We're so glad you're here. Went out of the way and made sure that those two little girls felt comfortable to come to that church. Those two, two children became teenagers that became adults that went to Bible college. Both married pastors. One pastor in Southern California. California, and uh, the other one became my wife's pastor wife. because what was just a child to some was a purpose to others. It's not, it's not just a kid. It's a holy child. I mean, know that we honor him in the, in the manger because Jesus didn't just become important to us when he was on the cross. We celebrate this time of year because we celebrate when he was just a little baby. I, I, I closed. Who's going to speak on behalf of the children? Because when Jesus was too small to talk, who was talking for him? Too young to care and make decisions, who was caring and making decisions for him? I tell you what I feel. 
if we'll just steer our attention in this church to help somebody that can't help us, there's going to be a revival that we cannot sustain, we cannot teach, we cannot hold. But I speak to you that the greatest growth in, 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 in this church and its history is in, I believe, in the next few months. It's going to take everybody getting involved. Y'all feel a burden for this. Helen Fairburn made a difference in my wife. Come here, honey. Lindsay, who knows what God can do through you through children's ministry? Come up here with me. She taught her Bible quizzing. Got in her spirit that came from somebody who was on a bus. My wife would ride the church van when she went to church there and picked up kids and bring them to the house of the Lord. You know why? Because children matter to God in the church and in the community. How many believe every child should be in the house of God? I, it, it means something to me. Our greatest days in this church when, when we were busing in a ton of children and young people. It was the most exciting. I'm not saying we're not in a good place, but it was the most exciting time. You know why? Because we were making a difference in people's future. Do you believe God wants to use you and this congregation to reach this community? Do you believe that? My dad built churches on bus ministries. And I'm telling you, God wants to do something here. The Lord's going to deal with us right now. Lift your hands, begin to open your heart toward the Lord. Would you do that? Come on, that's it. I know it's your Saturday. It's your car. God wants to use you to make a difference in mission. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, help us to reach somebody. Hallelujah, burden. There's a spirit of prayer in this room right now. God, touch our community. Touch our children. Help us to save our children, Lord, today. Help us to lead them from the ways of the world to the ways of God. Help us, oh God, to save our children, Lord, from the darkness that is upon this earth, from the darkness that's upon God, this generation. Help us, Lord, to reach our children. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God, we love you, Lord, today. We love you, Jesus. Reach our children. We're going to reach our children. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to pray. We, how many feel the Lord? The Lord is moving in this room. Would you stretch your hands to the Lord and say, God, help us to reach our children. Help us to reach our neighborhood. To reach people in our street. 
Help us, almighty God. Wonderful people you've put in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.